Welcome to Dietitian Table Talks. This is Emily, your host. If you're new here, thanks for joining. And if you're not new here, then welcome back. Um, this is going to be an awesome podcast because I have my first ever registered dietitian that is coming on here. Her name is Kelsey. Um, her Instagram is Be Healthy with Kelsey. If you want to go check her out right now while you're listening, um, go give her a follow. She has tons and tons of awesome recipes and helpful stuff on there. So go check her out. And I wanted to just talk about her a little bit before I have her on the line. Um, Kelsey actually is one of our new additions to our team DBFT. And she will be getting more involved with helping us with things and having clients online in the future. Um, but she's brand new, so I wanted to have her on here. And um, not only do I have tons of questions that I want to ask her, um, I just think it's going to be so interesting because she has a lot of experience in different areas of nutrition than I do. Um, we actually did graduate together from Central Michigan University, and that's how I know her. But she works at an inpatient facility with patients who have eating disorders and addictions. And um, online, she's going to be doing work with people more about like mindful eating and stuff like that. So um, she's not in like the fitness realm like I am. So it is going to be really interesting to hear her perspective, and I have tons and tons of questions that I want to ask her, so um, I don't know if I'm going to get to all of them or if I'm going to have to do another podcast with her, but super excited. Um, I also did just want to give a trigger warning just to anyone who has, has an eating disorder or has a uh, past eating disorder. I just want to throw it out there. I don't even know, like, what all this is going to entail, um, but I figured I should just throw it out there just to be sure because we will obviously be talking about eating disorders as that is the population that she's working with right now, but I'm about to have her on the line, so super excited, and I'll talk to you then. Also, I would like to apologize for the sound because um, the way I typically record wasn't working, so I had to have her on speaker on my phone, so you'll notice that I am a lot louder than she is. Um, I can hear her fine, though, so hopefully you guys can hear it fine, too. All right, I've got Kelsey on the line, and the first thing I want to tell you guys is that she slept through a tornado last night. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. It was shocking when I woke up this morning. Yeah, she lives in Nashville, so um, I know it's like a serious thing. Like there were people who unfortunately didn't make it through. Um, and I saw some pictures on Facebook of like buildings that were all messed up. And I messaged Kelsey right away and I was like, oh my God, a tornado. And she was like, yeah, I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, you were actually like one of the very first people to like, text me and ask me about my well-being. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, no, I woke up this morning and I went on Facebook and saw everything. And I was just super confused because I slept like a baby last night. So oh my God. Like, yeah. So um, did you see thankful. it though? Like any... Did you see any of, like, the remainings of buildings and stuff? 
No, I didn't. So I actually like live on the west side of Nashville and where everything kind of happened was on the east side. So um, and I don't even go that way for work or anything. So I didn't see anything, just everything that's on social media, which is just really sad. Yeah. So Nashville must be pretty big then. I've never been there. It's like a small, big city. You know what I mean? Like, it has its little areas. Like, it's pretty easy to navigate, but everything kind of takes, like, 30 minutes to get to, if that makes sense. Okay. So, just so the listeners know, um, Kelsey is from Michigan. We went to college together, and she moved to Nashville, what was it, like, a year and a half or two years ago now? Yeah, just a little over a year and a half now. Okay. And she plans to move back sometime this summer? Um, yeah, so the plan is, um, around early August for right now. Yay! So, yeah, I'm excited. So where are you going to move back, like, to where your your hometown is, or, like, Metro Detroit, or? Yeah, so, um, I'm from the mid-Michigan area, for anybody listening who doesn't know, that's, like, Saginaw, Bay City, Midland area. Um, so, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of job opportunity, um, Mm -hmm in that area so what I'm planning on doing is moving to the Detroit or the metro Detroit area you know it's just more (laughs) I live in Royal Oak so I'll be happy to have you here (laughs) yay I know I'm so excited I feel like everybody from CMU Uh honestly there really is a lot like if I go out I sometimes run into people from CMU (laughs) oh I'm so yeah I'm sure that's so funny yeah so I'm excited it'll be new and um just different and exciting so yay that's awesome um so I just wanted to start I did talk a little bit about you but not anything in depth so would you mind telling us just a little bit about your background and like why you initially wanted to become a dietitian yeah so and I don't even know if you know this I don't I I have so (laughs) many questions to ask you because I don't know a lot of this stuff Oh my God, this is going to be so fun. (laughs) Okay, so um, it was after freshman year of college when I went back home to Saginaw for the summer, and I decided to enroll in my local gym's, like, uh, six-week body challenge. Oh my God. Um, Yeah, just because I kind of, you know, moving away in college, you kind of get... a little bit out of control. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I needed something to kind of get me back to where I used to be. So um, I did the challenge. I ended up getting, like, third place. um, And it was, like, from then on that I kind of realized the impact that nutrition had on your body because before, like, I had never had a nutrition course, like, in high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not really a common high school class Mm -hmm. to begin with. Um, So I just didn't really know a whole lot. So after that, I was just like, wow, like, um, it it was just kind of crazy to me how nutrition works. Um, That's honestly kind of like the same thing for me. I didn't do like a, like a challenge or anything, but I was in the same boat where like, I wasn't I wasn't eating healthy at all and I wanted to make a change and I got really into fitness and nutrition and stuff like that too so it's kind of from like the same background 
Yeah, yeah, it's super um, interesting. Um, so, like that next fall, that was one of the first things I did was sign my major in dietetics because I always knew that I wanted to do something like somewhat in the medical field, but uh-huh. I don't have the stomach to do anything. <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> you know, so I was like, well, this is perfect. So, just been doing it ever since. And um, also, something that kind of drew me into dietetics was just all the different realms that you can choose to do. Mm -hmm. I just think that's super cool how diverse it is. Yeah, it really is. Like, Mm -hmm. I always think about how some people, when they, like, when they get a degree in something, there's only, like, one kind of job that they can do with it. Like, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, doing, like, whatever the job is that, like, does your taxes. Like, that's what they do. (laughs) They don't have, like, 800 different types of jobs that they can do. And that's something that I'm really like thankful that we can switch it up like you know 10 years from now if I'm not feeling this like I could go do something completely different totally yeah it's super cool and that's kind of like what I did too (laughs) so yeah that's been great yeah so actually this leads right up to the next thing I'm wondering about so you started out in long-term care correct correct and that is for anyone listening, um, that is like a really common first job for dietitians to have is to work in long-term care. Um, and I'm wondering, like, were you interested in eating, like working with eating disorders or did you just see the job listing and you're like, okay, I'm done with long-term care. Like I need to move on. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll be honest, like once I was done with my first job, I was just applying to pretty much anything that came up on Indeed. Mm -hmm. And um, the job that I have now working with eating disorders kind of came up and I was like, actually pretty hesitant to apply to it because I was just like, wow, this is like, completely out of my wheelhouse. Like, I don't know if I would be comfortable with this. Um, You know, they didn't really teach us that much about it, at least during undergrad. I don't know about during your internship. Yeah, no, I didn't learn anything about it in my internship actually. Um, yeah, so I was just kind of eager to learn more. So, um, they contacted me for an interview and the rest is history. And I've just been loving it ever since I've learned so much. And it's like, this is definitely the field that I'm like, just super passionate about. I love that. I bet you were so nervous to go in there on your first day. (laughs) Oh, Oh my gosh. I was so nervous because um the previous dietitian was already gone oh no I I know so there wasn't really a whole lot of training so that's kind of where all the learning came from too I just kind of like made up this role as I went on um but it's been great and um yeah I couldn't be happier that's awesome so you just jumped right in (laughs) yeah um so what does like a consult with a patient who has an eating disorder look like? Are they different usually or is it kind of the same like setup? So, um, yeah, so at my job currently, um, people will come to the facility that I work out specifically for um, a recovery for their eating disorder. So if they already have a diagnosis, then um, – you know, I kind of just go from there. However, there are some people at my facility who may just have like an addiction or, um, 
another type of like mental illness. Um, so whenever they come in, the nurse practitioner will kind of screen them. And if they answer, you know, certain questions on the assessment that would flag a consult with me, then they would kind of refer them to me. And then um, I would kind of do a separate assessment since they're not diagnosed with an eating disorder and then kind of determine what path would be best for them, like while they're in treatment. Okay. So if, so if they have an addiction, you don't see every person. It's more of like if they get flagged and what about if they, if they have an eating disorder, do you see every person or is it still flagged? Yeah. So, um, for people who are diagnosed with eating disorders, I automatically see them like every week. Okay. Um, and then for the other people, yeah, I don't see every single person that comes by. It's only if, um, like they're flagged and, um, yeah, I do a consult with them. So what does a consult for someone with an eating disorder kind of look like? Like what things do you talk about? Um, like anything that you guys do during that? So it's actually pretty interesting because a lot of it, um, we kind of talk about, um, their childhood, their family growing up, like what type of habits they had growing up, like eating meals together, um, like their first food related memory or their food, their first body related memory. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'll just kind of go through the motions of like, you know, what their highest weight was and what their lowest weight was and kind of what made the difference in between those two, how their eating behaviors have changed throughout the years and why, um, and just kind of things like that. So it's, it's pretty interesting because I think what a lot of people don't realize is that, um, eating disorders are very much so stemmed from past trauma or somebody's childhood. And people can even like develop eating disorders from severely dieting or chronic dieting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why those other type of questions that maybe you wouldn't really get asked um, are super important, just so you can get a better understanding of their history and so on and so forth. Yeah, that is really interesting because those are not questions that in any place I've ever worked or interned, like those weren't questions that we would even think to ask. So yeah, gives you like a whole different perspective. And I have recently I heard someone say that um, most eating disorders don't stem because of like a food problem. It's it's something like you said, like that happened to them or like more of like a control thing. And it's not necessarily something stemmed from like a food issue. Yeah. And I'm actually really happy you brought that up about the control thing, because you're completely right. Like um, a lot of people who have eating disorders, they feel as though their food intake or lack of food intake is the only thing in their life that they can control. Mm -hmm. Um, So in another thing that people don't realize is recovery for eating disorders can oftentimes be um, the trickiest or the most difficult because um, you still have to have food in your everyday life, right? When you think of like Mm -hmm. alcoholics or people who abuse drugs, um, right? Like you just abuse drugs or alcohol, but like we need food to survive. So um, that's where it can get, um, pretty, pretty tricky and have a complex, um, treatment. I just got the chills cause I never thought about it that way. 
<laughs> yeah, it's super, it's super interesting, very um, complex and uh, makes recovery difficult, but just that much more rewarding when you can finally get to the point where you do have a healthy relationship with food. Yeah. So the people that are in this um, inpatient place that you work at, are they choosing to go there or do they have to go there or how does that work? Yeah, so it's a choice. Um, So uh, people are, for the most part, very stable. um, And they're not, I guess, as severe in their eating disorders as a place like a inpatient psychiatric hospital would be. Um, So if there ever is a patient um, at my place of work that, you know, is refusing to eat or, you know, acting out in any of their eating disorder behaviors, then we would refer them out to a higher level of care. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, So if they want to stop going there, they're allowed to leave whenever they want? Yes. Um, It would be what's called against treatment advice. Uh Like we would um, have to kind of document that and try to um, make efforts to get them to stay, but they're not obligated to stay, if that makes sense. Okay, interesting. Um, so I know that there are several different types of eating disorders, and I think um, people kind of know about them, but I think it would be good if you could like educate people on the different types of eating disorders. Okay. Yeah. So there's um, actually so many different forms of disordered eating and eating disorders. Um, but I saw in that post that you had for um, DBFT that there were some that like, I didn't even know that those were eating disorders or disordered eating. Yeah. So um, there's four um, diagnosable eating disorders that I work with in my job. So that would be anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder and OSFED, which stands for other specified feeding or eating disorders. Um, yeah. So anorexia, you have to meet a requirement to be under a certain BMI, um, bulimia, um, we're all pretty familiar with binge eating disorder is a newer, um, diagnosis, but, um, it's, it's getting on people's radar a lot more. And then OSFED is really kind of interesting because if somebody doesn't meet full criteria to be diagnosed with anorexia, bulimia, or binge eating disorder, then they would be diagnosed with OSFED. So if somebody is restricting their food intake very severely, but their BMI is within normal limits, then they would be diagnosed with OSFED. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't know that for to have anorexia that it was below a certain BMI. But now that you say that it makes sense because I was like, I feel like there'd be so many people who aren't being diagnosed. Yeah, but they are being diagnosed just with something else. Yeah, so that would be the OSFED diagnosis. And then like the sub diagnosis to that would be atypical anorexia. So basically it's the same exact diagnosis as anorexia but their BMI is just you know normal and not underweight okay well I'm glad that at least you know that 
it's not just like a, a way you look or your BMI or something like that. Could you talk a little bit about that? Um, I think that a lot of people think that being or having an eating disorder always has like the same look. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so that is completely true and something I hear so often. Um, and what breaks my heart is like a lot of the clients that I work with, they tell me so often that people look at them and like straight up will tell them, well, you don't look like you have an eating disorder. <sighs> because terrible. I know it's it really is because you're right. Like, I think we, you know, when we think of the word eating disorder, we all have you know, an image in our head. Um, but that's just not true at all. In fact, the majority of cases do not look like the image that we have in our head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could know people in your everyday life that, you know, you think everything's fine, but they could be struggling. So eating disorders don't discriminate between gender, age, race, BMI, literally anything like that. Um, Anybody could be struggling from any of those types of eating disorders. Yeah, you bring up a good point with the gender too, because I feel like oftentimes guys just go undiagnosed or um, it's just not seen as an eating disorder just because it's not as common. But I do think that there's a lot of guys who have at least disordered eating habits and they just, you know, aren't diagnosed or do anything about it. So, yeah. And I have worked with, um, men and at my job too, who have diagnosed, um, eating disorders. And another reason that people could develop eating disorders is from, you know, the pressures of social media and, Mm -hmm. you know, how we're supposed to look a certain way. As women, we get that a lot. But I think what people don't realize is that men have those same um, expectations as well. Like men get the pressure of, you know, ways that they're supposed to look too. So a lot of people don't, don't really realize that either when it comes to men in eating disorders because it is very real for both genders. Yes, and also I feel like um, any kind of sport that has to do with weight, like wrestling, um, I actually went and spoke with a high school wrestling team about nutrition this year because um, obviously they need a lot of help and they don't do things in a healthy way. Um, But just from hearing, like, my boyfriend was a wrestler too and just, like, some of the things that they do are – it's really – cringy oh my gosh yeah I think that's awesome that you went to go talk to um a high school wrestling team because you're so right like now that I'm thinking about my high school wrestling team I'm Mm -hmm. like man there was some there was some things that weren't right going on oh yeah yeah. for sure bringing awareness to it is just such a great thing in itself Mm -hmm. and speaking of sports too I didn't even think to bring this up but when I went to central I remember um, one of my friends was on the track team and she was very, very fit. Like she, she is known for having an awesome body and the track coach would always tell her that she was fat and that she needed to lose weight. Oh my gosh. And so here she is on a, on a D1 track team and not eating, like eating salad for lunch every day. Cause the track coach keeps telling her that she's fat. Eventually, she actually ended up quitting, thank God, and went to a different school to run track. Yeah, that is – and that's the thing, too, is 
it's not always about, you know, your parents or the way that you grew up. Yeah, it could be a coach. It could be a group of friends. Um, that is just so terrible. Mm-hmm. And I hear situations like that that happen so often. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just breaks my heart. But I'm glad that she got out of that situation. Yeah. And I can only imagine how many other other girls that the coach said it to, too. I mean, if he's saying it to her and she's really fit, I can only imagine. I know. And and it's like people don't realize like words do hurt, right? The whole Mm -hmm. sticks and stones thing. Well, that's just not always (laughs) very true. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like you say those comments to the wrong person and who knows what could happen. And Mm -hmm. it's just people need to be more aware of food and body talk in general. Yeah, definitely. Um, so at your work, is there anything you have to be really careful not to say or do, um, in front of like patients who have eating disorders or do you have to wear like certain clothing or anything? Yeah, that's a good question. So sometimes, so at my work, I will do like weekly nutrition groups with the different types of groups at my work, you know, so the women's mental health house, I'll do a group with them or like the men's addiction house. Um, so at one point there were eating disorder clients kind of sprinkled in with everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, so that made it very difficult because you do have to be, uh, very specific in what you choose to say. Um, because a lot of times people will latch on to one thing that you say and they will hold on to that. And it could really kind of, um, just cause them to get into a spiral. And, Mm -hmm. um, so that would always be hard, but yeah, in the eating disorder program at my work, um, there is no talk of any numbers. So weight, um, clothing size, calories, anything like that. Um, there's no talk of good foods versus bad foods, which I think should be applied in the real world. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, those are pretty much the basics. Um, and no talking about how, how full you are, how, you know, yeah, things like that. Um, those are based just like basic house rules, but like Mm -hmm. staff needs to adhere to those as well. Okay. And do you wear like scrubs there? Um, nope. I can actually wear pretty much whatever I want. I can do jeans. I can, it's pretty casual. So I I really enjoy that part. I I felt like, um, at maybe at like a more serious place, like the one you mentioned, like if they were not stable at all, they had to all wear like baggy clothing. Yeah, that, that may be the case. Um, at like an inpatient psychiatric hospital Um, because at that point um, people may be getting like tube feeding there and Mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. So yeah, but my work is pretty, pretty relaxed. So I'm grateful for that. Okay. And what's something you have learned while working at your current job that you didn't learn in school? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm like, do you want me to write a book? (laughs) Um, wow. Let's see. Um, I think it's, it's so much like application based, um, like scenarios at this job. Like Uh I, since we, I didn't learn about eating disorders at all in college or my internship, 
I can pretty much say that I'm not really using anything that I do learn. Yeah. um, I mean, I I do, you know, motivational interviewing. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll do like the Penn State equation to figure out, um, you know, their needs and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But um, something that I didn't learn, that's a good question. I guess public speaking, maybe. I guess I learned that a little bit in my internship. But um, with my job now, I do a lot of big groups, which I actually love that part about my job. And I never thought that I would be the type of person to enjoy getting up in front of people. That's awesome. Yeah. Like when it's about, you know, fun nutrition topics every week, it's actually enjoyable when you're talking about something you like rather than, Mm -hmm. you know, presenting a topic on your paper in college. That's so true. Because I've found that I actually like public speaking too, but it's because when I do it now, now that I'm out of college, it's because I want to and it's on things that I like and I know a lot about. And I don't have to prepare a ton. Like, I already know what I'm talking about. But it's different when you're in college and you learn something. And then, like, the next week you have to present on it. Right? And your hands are shaking and your hands are sweaty. (laughs) But, yeah, I just get up there now. I have fun with the clients there. And, um, yeah, that part's really great. But, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much the only thing I can think of right now that, school didn't teach me other than everything else (laughs) so I have a another question now that you said calculating their needs so what do you do with that do you do they get fed a certain amount based off their needs so basically and you probably remember learning about this a little bit in college um I make them all meal plans based on exchanges oh so each exchange um, is a like a diabetic exchange. Exactly. Okay. So each exchange is a certain amount of calories. So whenever I take their, you know, BMR and their um, that calculation and everything, I'll make their exchanges at each meal, um, and then that'll tell me how many about how many calories the meal plan will provide. So this works really well with the eating disorder population because since they are the exchanges, um, you know, we give them a whole exchange list with that, and they're free to pick, like, whatever sounds good to oh, them that day. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, so they make you know, they're all their own meals and everything like that. Um, but the meal plan's there for obviously for accountability purposes and mm-hmm. um and that sort of thing. So yeah, I actually really do think that part's pretty cool about utilizing the exchange list because I'll be honest, like when we learned about this in college, I was like, I'm not gonna ever use this stuff. <laughs> no, I know. But but yeah, so that part is actually really great. So I that's how I kind of assess their needs and make it into a meal plan. Okay, that's awesome. I learned definitely am learning a lot of new stuff during this. <laughs> um, so I did want to talk about, so when you were in college, you were a sorority girl for sure. Like, you know, you were loving hanging out with all the sorority girls, living in the house, True. doing all the sorority stuff. And I'm wondering... While being in that kind of environment, did you ever, like, see or hear things from other girls that you look back at, or even at the time, um, that is kind of like a red flag for disordered eating? 
I am very happy that you brought this up because um, for me specifically in the sorority that I was in, it was very much, I I don't think that we really adhered to the typical, That's you know, true. That's very true. Yeah. So because of that, um, you know, the girls that were in my sorority, we were very much we were just very different. Um, and we all got along really well, but at the end of the day, bottom line, like there was nothing, you know, from my experience that I saw that was, um, a red flag or that I would be considered to be disordered eating. Um, as a matter of fact, we had so many like sisterhood events that was like surrounding food. Like I think that was the <laughs> common like denominator with everybody in the <laughs> was like our love for food. That's awesome. Um, now I cannot say this for all the other sorority sororities because I mean I don't know if I'm biased, but because um whatever sorority I was in was just super diverse and accepting and just fun loving. Yeah. Um I think that there are some, you know, stereotypical sororities that may have adhered to. Yeah, I didn't want to, like, stereotype sororities because really, I mean, anyone in college could have disordered eating. But I was like, well, maybe being surrounded by so many girls all the time and stuff like that, that maybe you would hear stuff like that. Yeah, and, you know, um, there could have been somebody struggling too, but luckily enough, I think the sorority that I was in created a really healthy environment, um, around food and, um, all of that. So very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. And now that you say that I do, like when I'm thinking back to college, I remember your sorority was like stereotyped differently than other ones were. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, so now Kelsey is on Team DBFT. She's just starting to get involved more, and obviously she still has her other job right now, so it's just little things here and there. Um, She's going to start taking on some clients just for more of, like, a mindful eating type of course. Um, so just so everyone listening knows, Des and I have applications that people fill out when they want to work with us. Um, our coaching is very much like fitness oriented and sometimes we have to turn people away because on our applications, we ask questions that will kind of give us red flags, you know, if they have a past eating disorder or poor relationship with food or they're underweight and say they want to work on fat loss, you know, those kinds of things are red flags to us because obviously we don't want to make anything worse for people and some people just should not be focusing on, you know, the numbers. Um, And so we are turning people away and I would either refer them to someone else or tell them like maybe to be referred to a dietitian in person so they could talk about, you know, other things like relationship with food and stuff like that. Um, but now if someone wants to just like work on their relationship with food or their body or, you know, just be healthier overall, we can refer them to Kelsey. Um, and we can make sure that they are being taken care of properly. And, you know, we just want to make sure everyone's taken care of in the best way possible. Um, so if you want to just talk 
a little bit. I know it's new, so you don't have like everything <laughs> structured out, but if you just want to talk about like who your ideal clients would be, um, what's the goals of your coaching programs and anything else that you're going to be helping DBFT with. Yes. So I like that question. My ideal client. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I would say my ideal client is somebody who obviously wants to create a healthier relationship with food and maybe they've struggled with their relationship with food in the past. Um, if they maybe consider foods to be good versus bad and if they feel guilty about eating quote unquote, those bad foods, Mm -hmm. um, maybe they have struggled with some type of disordered eating in their past, but maybe some of like, like the thoughts, still linger um if if they if it's just a constant thought in their head because it really shouldn't be I want to help those people Mm -hmm. um because it is very real um and very possible to have a healthy relationship with food and I just want to help as many people as I can with that because the sense of freedom that you feel once you finally get to that point is just Mm -hmm immeasurable I'm so happy that we have you now and that it was like perfect timing so that you could continue working with the population and the people that you want to work with and help them in the in the way that you are truly passionate about helping people it really was like perfect timing since you're moving and everything yeah I completely agree and like my biggest fear in moving back to Michigan is because I do love my job so much and working with this population so much It's not common Mm -hmm. um, to have a job as a dietitian in this population. So I was worried, you know, going home, like, oh, my gosh, am I going to find a job that's similar to this? God forbid I have to go back to long-term care work. (laughs) Um, So when you and Des kind of presented me with this idea, I was just, like, over the moon because I'm like, okay, great. Like, once I move back to Michigan – at least I'm still doing something that I love with DBFT. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, so. I was like, when when we were thinking about it, like, we were just sitting there thinking, because we, we had wanted to hire, like, a couple more people, and I was like, well, maybe we could hire someone that did something, like, totally different than us, and she asked me, she was like, well, do you know anyone who like works in that area? And you popped in my head and I was like, actually I do. Like, I don't <laughs> think she would want to do it, but let's ask her. <laughs> really? You didn't think I would want to do it? I just didn't think you'd have time. Cause I didn't know you were like moving and everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. When you um, messaged me that one day, I was like, Oh boy, I see going I'm excited yay I'm so happy yeah it was perfect it really was like perfect timing yeah and um also um I put a question box on my Instagram for people to ask you questions which I already asked a lot of them during this um and I'm pretty sure you answered most of them oh yeah someone asked How would someone know if they have an eating disorder and is it possible to be unaware? It is possible to be unaware. Um, I actually work with clients right now who are in complete denial that they have an eating disorder and they're at my workplace for treatment for their eating disorder. So 
Yeah, it is very, um, a lot of people are in denial. It's very like a hush hush type of thing. And it just does need to be talked about more. Um, but how you would know if you have an eating disorder, that's a pretty, um, complex question. Mm -hmm. I do think if there is any possibility in your mind that you maybe do have an eating disorder, I would strongly encourage you to, um, work with a therapist who specializes in eating disorders or seek out a dietitian who specializes in eating disorders, um, just because there's nothing more, um, there's nothing more difficult than struggling with something alone. Mm-hmm. So, um, and nobody should have to, should have to do that. So I think if there's any thought of, Hey, I, do I have an eating disorder? I think, I think I might, you know, mm-hmm. if there's even a thought in your head, then I think that you should probably seek some additional help. I agree. And you just answered another question too, but, um, also, this was like almost perfect timing because NIDA week just ended the National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So um, yes. I'll also put some helpful links in the description box for this podcast. So um, if you think you might need help or um, anything like that, maybe these links will help you. I'll also put links to Kelsey's Instagram. I already told them before you were on the line to go check out your Instagram while they're listening and look at all your recipes and stuff. Um, Perfect. So make sure to give her a follow. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this because I know you were literally busy from morning to night and (laughs) I just really appreciate it so I can have some different like perspective and different specialties on here. And yeah. also, you were my first dietitian that I had on Dietitian Table Talks. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I am like, I feel honored. I feel like I need to have a plaque to put on my wall. <laughs> I'll make you one. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah. You, you did so great, too. <laughs> well cool I mean this was so fun if you ever want to have me on again I I definitely will my number (laughs) yeah once you like um have like your clients and maybe once you get through like the a 12-week program with your clients we can talk more about like how that went and everything that you learned and how they did and stuff like that I think that would be really cool yeah that would be awesome um yeah thank you so much for having me on this was like super fun. Yay. All right, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating or message me and let me know that you listened because it always makes my day. Thank you.